Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of First Peter, okay? Uh, we'll have some of these passages up on the screen. Uh, some of them are on the Bible app. We're reading two bigger chunks uh, today, and those are not up uh, on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to First Peter chapter 1. If you don't, it's okay. Just kind of sit back and listen. Because you see, when, when you were an early Christian, if you were an early Christian, and you got this letter from Peter, like, yeah, the apostle Peter, Peter, like the one who, you know, when he was following Jesus, like sometimes he got it like really right. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Yeah, bold, brash Peter. Sometimes he got it really wrong. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. Jesus, never. That's never going to happen to you. I don't care if they all fall away. I will never forsake you. And he denied Jesus three times. This is that same Peter. Okay, the Peter who, yes, preached the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 people got saved. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty, that must have been an awesome sermon, right? 3,000 people came to Christ. God's Spirit was working and moving. You get a letter from Peter. Everybody didn't have a copy. They didn't just go, oh, let's give it to Barb and she'll make copies for everybody and we'll read it. Okay, it didn't happen. You listened. So we, got, we get this letter from Peter, the Apostle Peter. It's in about, you know, in the 50s A.D. probably. And it's a time when persecution is starting to ramp up. Like it may not be right in your context right here, but you've heard about it. Emperor Nero is on the throne. Okay, and if you know anything about Emperor Nero, he's like, you know, he was the best emperor in the world right now. No, okay, he was, he was an evil, crazy, probably literally insane man. Later on in his reign, he, he would actually take Christians or other people, and in a way of persecuting, he would use them to light the city. Okay? He would dip them in oil, impale them on a stick, and light them on fire. Like this is Emperor Nero. Okay? This is your context. It may not be right here in your midst, but you see it's out there and it's coming. Looking back, we can see Peter is going to be crucified in the midst of this wave of persecution that's coming. He's writing this letter to Christians that are in modern-day Turkey, okay? And he's writing it to encourage them in the midst, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hardship and suffering. This book is all about how then shall we live. So we're going to read through uh, the first chapter just to give us the whole context, and then we'll zoom in on a couple of things. So 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1. So as you're reading through it, I want you to try to use your imagination. What would it be like to be living in that time, in that moment, okay? You get this. Oh, let's see. My Bible's too heavy. Well, we'll put my Bible here. (laughs) You're in this place where you hear that persecution and you get this letter from Peter. So let's listen to what Peter reads. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version uh, today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, okay, that's modern-day Turkey, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. For you who are protected by the power of God through faith, 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this salvation, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Why? Because you're obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them, those saints in the past, that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things. In these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, set from heaven, things which angels long to look at. Let's just pause right there, okay? He's saying, look, you have this salvation. And those in the past that were prophesying, they were seeking and inquiring, who exactly is this talking about? When is it going to happen? And they realized it wasn't just for them. Peter says it's, it's for y'all because it's been preached to you. And this gospel of Jesus Christ is something even the angels long to just look at and consider and be amazed at. Like these beings that are in the presence of God all the time love to revel in the gospel. It blows their minds how God loves so great and how he's made such a big rescue. Let's keep reading on. Therefore, because of all this, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which are yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time on this earth, your stay on this earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So your faith and your hope are in God. In the midst of what you're going on, your faith and your hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently want, love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You see, he's writing to these Christians that are in the midst of this persecution, and he wants to encourage them and strengthen them. Okay, now, if you were here two weeks ago... You may be a little bit confused. You're like, why are we reading through First Peter? I thought we were going to study through Mark this summer. Well, we were going to study through Mark this summer, okay? 
Last week, it was so good to be able to be here after we had a week of vacation. Doc Bracey was preaching, and he was preaching a really good message about the end is coming sometime. And looking through the book of Romans, how we can see our culture in America that, you know, you don't have to be some doctor or sociologist or whatever to see that America has kind of gone on this spiral, so to speak, right? And at the end, he was talking about what does God, what does God expect from us? What does God want from us? Faith, hope, and love. And as I was listening to that sermon, I started to write down at the end, how then shall we live? Like we know the end is coming. We see the turmoil around us. How are we supposed to live? And so I began praying and seeking like, okay, God, what does that mean? Like, is this just something you're stirring in me? Is this something for us? And so we land in Peter. Because Peter is all about how then shall we live. So we're going to take this summer going through the book of 1 Peter. And really the sermon series is, is called this. Exiles and aliens. Living out our hope in a world that is not our home. You see, if we look at the first couple verses of here in 1 Peter. So he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So they know, wow, this is Peter. The Peter. Okay? And who is he writing to? He's writing to those who reside as what? What's that word up there? Aliens, okay? Now, that doesn't mean like UFO, ET, it's not that, okay? It, It means someone who's a foreigner, who's an outsider, who's a stranger. So he says, look, you are living in these places, modern day Turkey, but that's not your home. You're an alien, an exile, a stranger. And so as we go through this book, okay, uh, Peter has a lot of different things that he talks about. But really this whole book, we could look at it as how then shall we live? How do we live out our faith? How do we live out our hope in a broken world that is not our home? Because you see, this world is not our home. This country is not our home. We are citizens of the kingdom that's coming. That's our first thing. We identify with Christ. So how then shall we live? And Peter's going to talk about how they live in regard to the different institutions that that were going on in the time, Uh, the the, the marriage and the family and the servants and slaves. How do they live out their faith in the midst of what's going on? How do they live out their faith in a culture that was becoming increasingly hostile toward them? So how does this relate to us? I, I believe we live in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to Christians, right? To truth. You can believe whatever you want unless you're going to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, which we see in scriptures. And then you're intolerant and you know. So in a world that is becoming increasingly hostile, how do we live out our faith and our hope? Because we get that famous verse in here uh, to speak with gentleness and respect and be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. That's what God's calling us to do and to be, to be missionaries in this world. So how do we live that out? So that's what we're going to be talking about this summer. And I know sometimes in the summer you go on vacation and you come back here. Here's a challenge I have for you, okay? One of the silver linings of the whole COVID pandemic is everybody got online, okay? So we stream our our, our services online. If you miss because you're on vacation or something like that, watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on Sermon.net. It's on Facebook. You can find it. If you can't find it, I'll help you find it, okay? Because this is important. How then shall we live? You know, we talked this morning briefly about as the world turns, like we're worshiping throughout the whole day all around the world. And, we, and then in this day and age, this is our time. Like Abraham's not alive anymore. That was his time. Peter's not alive anymore. That was his time. This is our time on the stage. How then shall we live? We want to be faithful in that. 
And so as we look at First Peter, we're going to see how we can do that. We're going to encourage one another in that. So he says, You're, I'm writing this to aliens. Aliens who are living in this place, but that's not really their home. They've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So he starts out, this is who you are. This is not your home. You're residing there, but you're an alien. But you're not just an alien, you're a redeemed alien, so to speak. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been chosen by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, by the work of the Spirit that makes you more and more like Jesus. Remember I had that sucker here that one time? And this is my sucker, okay? And I didn't want to share it with anybody. So anybody remember what I did when I took the wrapper off because I don't want to share it with anybody? What was that? I licked it, <laughs> right? It's mine. I set it apart. It's mine, okay? That's sanctification, okay? And then... It became progressively more mine. I kept licking it. You know, how many licks does it take to get to the middle of a Tootsie Pop, right? One, two, three, three, right? Is that the commercial? And then, so it was becoming more mine. And, then, and so that's like we've been set apart by the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is all about the gospel that it's talking about. We are in our life becoming progressively more like Christ as we let the grace of God that has saved us teach us and train us like a child. So we say no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God. We become more like him and one day we die or Christ returns and we become completely his. And our old self is done away with. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain, right? So he says, look, you've been chosen. The Spirit's sanctifying you. What's the outcome of that sanctification? The outcome of it is that we would obey Jesus Christ. Right? Peter, uh, Paul says the same thing. He says, look, those who have been chosen and called, if, if you believe in Jesus, then the end goal that Christ is going to bring you to is you're going to be conformed into the image of his son. That's God's goal for you to work in you and on you so that you become more like Jesus. And when he returns, we shall be like him, just like he is. Because we've been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. So he says, look, if you're going to know how shall you live in this world, recognize, number one, you're an alien. This is not your home. Don't get too comfortable. You're an exile. You're a stranger. Remember the gospel. That's what it's all about. Jesus died in your place and mine. That's it. That's where you have salvation. And hold on to that. Now, we'll we'll maybe unpack this a little bit later, but when we talk about alien or stranger or exile there's kind of three main places my brain goes in the scriptures one is the patriarchs right abraham was called to leave his homeland and go somewhere else he was a stranger an alien an exile okay god called him from here because he had an inheritance here okay then you had the israelites the hebrews when they were in egypt okay they were in slavery in egypt they were aliens there in egypt and god wanted to rescue them out of there Okay, that points forward to Christ rescuing us out of our sin. Then the last part is when they were in exile in Babylon, where they were living as aliens in a foreign land. We live in this world, but not of it. And that can be hard. How does that work? If we look in Jeremiah 29, okay, you guys, a lot of you may know the verse 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Yeah. God has good plans for us, okay? That was in a letter specifically written to exiles. And the context of that letter is, you are not coming home anytime soon. It's going to be 70 years, okay? It's going to be 70 years. 
some of you will never make it home. Because there were prophets saying, in two years you'll be back. Everything will be back to normal. No, no, no. You're in exile. So live the life of an exile. You're going to be there for a while. Build homes. Plant gardens. Give your sons and daughters to marriage. Continue living the life in exile. You know your home is over there. You've been placed here for 70 years, which is kind of like a lifetime. You know the Bible talks about 70 years. So live your life here. Pray for the good of your community. Work for the good of your community. Because when your community is blessed, you'll be blessed and know that in 70 years, I'll rescue you and bring you back. That's a picture of the Christian life. We are here on this earth for a time of exile, so to speak. It doesn't mean we go, I will just be in this box and not do anything because I'm a citizen of heaven and I just... No. Yes, you're an alien. You're a stranger. Build houses. Plant gardens. Live. Be a witness. Thrive. But know that you're not a citizen here. You're a citizen there. That's what Peter's talking about. That's what Jeremiah was talking about. So that's when we think about aliens, exiles, strangers. We've got to keep some of those themes in our mind. Let's continue on unpacking. Uh, oh, yeah, another good verse. But we're just going to read this one verse, so stay in First Peter. So He's talking about the gospel. And so he says, if we want to know how to live in this world, okay, what John says in 1 John chapter 4 is, we have come to know and have believed in the love which God has for us. God is love. The one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. So he's saying, you want to know how to live in this world? Remember the gospel. You've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. You can know and rely on, you can believe in, you can rest in that love of God. Because on the day of judgment, it says perfect love casts out fear. Because we have been loved perfectly and he has forgiven us of our sins, we can have hope. That's the gospel that he's talking about. You want to know how to live in this world? Accept the gospel. Then he moves on in 1 Peter 3 through 9, okay? You want to know how shall you live in this world? Number one, you're an alien. This is not your home. Number two, you got to remember the gospel. Number three, remember the end of the gospel, which is the inheritance you have. And that's going to be the foundation and the bedrock for how then shall we live. So we preached through this passage before, so we're not going to necessarily hit everything. But I want us to, to take time to remember what is the inheritance that we have. So he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We'll pause right there. He's giving glory and blessing to God because God is the author of of salvation. God is the author of the gospel. And he's saying that we have this, what, what kind of hope is it saying? What's the word there? Living. A little bit louder, what? Living. Now when you think of living, what do you think of? What comes to your mind? Walking freely. Anything else? Living. If something is alive. Breathing. Growing. Now this word, okay, in scriptures, it's the same word they would use for like living water. A bubbling brook. The idea that God, that we have this hope. This hope that's alive. This hope that wants to do a work within us. That as we let the confident expectation of God's promises for us work in us, it wants to do a work with inside of us to make us alive like him. It comes because God is merciful. He's great in mercy. That we have this new birth into a living hope, okay? Not this dry, dusty hope. 
not wishful thinking, but a confident expectation of God's good through Jesus Christ. Now, as you look at this, where does all that come from? It comes from God's mercy, but, but what is it through? Why do we have living hope? Why are we born again? Go ahead, look up there. What does the scripture say? It's in verse 3 somewhere. Anybody see it there? What is it that happened that allows us to have new birth, living hope? Yeah, the resurrection. You're an alien here. Remember the gospel. Remember the resurrection, okay? So we have this new, we have God's great mercy. We have this living hope, a hope that's alive. It comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what's the outcome of it? It says that we've been born again to obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. That in Christ, doesn't matter what is going on here in this world, there is an inheritance to come which is imperishable, undefiled, and it will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you, for us who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter says, look, because Jesus rose from the dead, we are allowed into this inheritance and it's an inheritance that uh, won't, won't go away. It can't be made dirty or defiled or messed up. It won't fade away. And it's kept in heaven for you. It's reserved for you. You can trust that it's there for you. And in this life, y'all are protected in order to get that inheritance that's coming. That doesn't mean that we won't go through hard things. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean that tragedies won't happen. But it means for the Christian that inheritance is secure for them and they are protected so that they will get that. We will get that one day. So Peter says you're an alien and you're an exile. Remember the gospel. Remember your inheritance. Why? Because in this, in the inheritance you have, you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Look, you hear the persecution that's out there. Maybe you know of somebody that has experienced it. Maybe you've experienced it. When you keep your eyes on the inheritance, you can have joy in the midst. When we live in this life and we see the news and we see the drama and we see the culture wars and we see the political this and that, it can be really easy to be cynical, okay? It can be really easy to be cynical. I get it. I'm there sometimes. And Peter is saying, in the midst of that, in the midst of the hostilities that could be coming, remember your inheritance. Because when you do, you have joy. And yes, you're going to go through hard times. There's hard times that you go through. He says that these are given so that the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, the Christians in that time were going to go through hard times. You have gone and you will go through hard times. We have no idea what the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years it will be like in this world in America. But you know what? No matter how hard it gets... We have an inheritance that's reserved for us and we're protected. It doesn't mean that hardship doesn't happen to us, but we can trust in that. And so Peter is saying to them, and he'd say to us, look, don't get so pulled this way and that way by what you see in the culture. You're an alien there. That's not your home. Your home is coming. Yeah, live there. Live in the world, okay? 
be a part of what's going on. Be a witness there, but know that your inheritance is coming. And when you go through these hard things, God is taking you through it, and he is going to refine you in the midst of it, and he'll pull out the dross and the sin, and the gold will, will, will be there, and you'll be purified, and that will result in praise and glory for him and praise for you. Rewards for you when Christ returns. So remember, you're an alien. There is a way to live. And then he finishes with this. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Why? Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So Peter is saying, look, in the midst of the life that you're in, God says he'll walk with you. You have this inheritance. You have a hope that's alive and wants to work in you and on you. So you become more like him. Why? Because he, he desires to make you like himself. The inheritance is reserved for you. You're protected for it. So you can have joy in the midst. And even though you don't see Jesus now, you love him. And he loves you. And you can have joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Because there's an inheritance to come. So how then shall we live? Realize, number one, we're aliens. This is not our home. That means we don't get all super comfortable here. It means that we don't have to be shaken when the world is shaken because it's not our home. We're just here for a time. We remember the gospel. We remember the inheritance that we have. And that allows us to be able to thrive in the midst now, in the next part of, of, of this passage, go ahead and turn uh, to Hebrews chapter 10. Because Peter then starts to talk about prophets and saints in the Old Testament. And he talks about how they were looking and waiting to see, well, who was he talking about? When is this going to happen? They realize it's not in my lifetime. And Peter's like, it's in your lifetime. It was for you. Well, what I want us to do, because the scriptures were written, the Old Testament was written and recorded. One of the main reasons is for our encouragement and our teaching so that we can have hope. So I want to look in Hebrews chapter 10, and I want us to look at some of the lives of people that lived out their faith in the Old Testament, in the midst of the trials that they went through. Because you know what? Sometimes stories can be so powerful, right? We see how God has worked, and we go, if God did that, he can, he's going to walk with me through this. So in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, which was, Hebrews was probably written in a similar time period as First Peter, written to Christians that are facing persecution, Christians that were also being ostracized from their Jewish families because they were no longer Jews. They were Jewish Christians, so to speak. And so they were facing a lot of hardship. And Peter says, I mean, Paul, uh, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse, what verse are we on? 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. He says, look, these hard things are going on with you, but you have an inheritance that's coming. So therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You have need of endurance. So when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then the writer of Hebrews kind of gives this encouragement and this exhortation. But we're not ones that shrink back. Uh Uh-uh-uh. No, we're not those who shrink back to destruction, but we're of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Then he goes on and talks about what is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith literally means to be persuaded. 
I have hope in this that's coming. I believe in Jesus Christ. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know what's coming. And my faith is saying, that's a certainty. It's out there, but I see it. And then he goes on and says this. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, Abel, though he is dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so he would not see death. Scripture simply says, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God just said, Abraham, I want you to go. Leave your home and go. Where? I'll show you. Okay, I'm in. And he went. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Why? Verse 10, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to that inheritance. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead, that's Abraham, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiled on the earth. So he says, look, these saints in the Old Testament, they saw the promises out there, but they didn't receive them in fullness, but they were waiting and expecting. They lived their life as an alien and an exile, knowing what was going to come. But they didn't receive it. They didn't see it yet. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, verse 15, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The saints of the Old Testament, in the midst of the highs and lows of their life, they were looking forward to the inheritance that was coming. And they knew it in part, right? We have a bigger picture of it because we see, we look back and see Jesus' death and resurrection. But you know what? We may live our whole lives and not get the fulfillment of that until we die, just like those in the Old Testament. Christ may come back in our life, so we may see it. We may be those that are in the twinkling of eye changed and were raptured, but we may not. And what does it call for? Patient endurance. Because you see, if we were to read through the rest of this chapter, it goes through, by faith, this person. By faith, this person. By faith, this person. By faith, these people received dead back to life. By faith, they were rescued. By faith, other people were not rescued. And they were killed. And they received an inheritance. And then how does the chapter end? Go ahead, turn to the end of chapter 11. 
verse 38. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. So he says, look, the world wasn't worthy of them. This wasn't their home. They knew that. They recognized that. They didn't receive that full inheritance in their lifetime. Now, after they died, yes. And then it gets to chapter 12. In view of the inheritance these people had, how they lived out their life as aliens and exiles, how God worked in their lives through faith, what does it mean for us? Therefore, Christians that the writer of Hebrews is working to, therefore, Christians here at Skiff Lake Bible Church, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside, I think I got this up on the screen. Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race set before us. So he says, look, do you see the examples of the past? They didn't receive it in their lifetime. We look back and we see Jesus. We may not receive that full inheritance in our lifetime, but we have them as an example. So what are we supposed to do? Run the race. This frame of time God has given you on this earth, run the race. Paul says, don't you know in a race everybody runs, only one person wins? Run in such a way to win. So he says, no, no, I'm not merely shadow boxing. I'm not going through the motions. No, no, no. I want to be on fire for what God has for me. I want to live my life intentionally. I want to make my body be my slave. I'm not a slave to my body. I'm a slave to Christ. I want to run with him. In another book, he'd say, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm pressing on for that which Christ has called me. I want to live everything to be his man, his woman, because an inheritance is coming. And I want to play my part during this time of life that I've been given. So how do we run the race? It says, throw off the things that hold you back. God's grace is bigger than any sin. You can't out-sin God's grace. That doesn't mean that God wants you to live in sin. When Paul is talking about God's grace. If sin abounds, grace superabounds. Does that mean we do whatever we want? No way, he says. You died to sin. Why live in it any longer? The things that hold you back, the sin that tangles you up, Scripture is very clear. Get rid of it. Easier said than done. I get it. I know. We all have things we struggle with. What steps can you take to cut those things that hold you back? To throw it away. We do that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in the midst of your struggles, consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, in this world, we are exiles and aliens. And that should be comforting to us. Because you read the whole scripture and you're like, everybody in there was. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like the disciples, they all lived the life of an alien in exile, a stranger in the midst. So we're in really good company. So what does all this mean for us? Because we're going to unpack throughout the summer, how then shall we live? But what does this mean for us? Let's look at the so what's today. Number one. Embrace your alienship. And when I was writing that, I thought it was kind of funny because it's like an alien ship, mother ship. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? 
Ha, ha, ha. I love groaners, okay? Sorry. Embrace your alienship, okay? You're an alien. You're an exile. You're a stranger, okay? I almost thought about calling this sermon series, I'm an alien, or be an alien, or something like that, okay? Because that's who you are. This world is not my home. It's not your home. This country is not your home. It's not my home. I'm grateful for the blessings that I have as a U.S. citizen. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for how God has worked in this nation, okay? This nation's not my home. Peter, uh, uh, Paul said this in the book of Philippians, writing to uh, people who lived in Philippi. They were really excited about living in Philippi because it was a Roman colony. So if you were born in, in, in Philippi, you were a Roman citizen, which to be a Roman citizen that time meant you had privileges and you had, it was good. It was a good thing to be a Roman citizen. Paul was a Roman citizen. It helped him out in his travels. You can't just whip me without a trial. I'm a Roman citizen. And like, oh, we almost did a really bad thing by doing that, okay? But in, to those people in, those, in that city who were proud of being a citizen of Rome, Paul says, look, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he'll transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power that he has even to subject all things to himself. This world is not our home. This nation is not our home. We are citizens of the kingdom. Now again, this doesn't mean we just live in this box and don't interact with the world. Jesus in John 17, his great high priestly prayer, he's praying to God for his disciples. And he says, God, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. The world hates us. That's okay. They hated Jesus. He wasn't of this world. We're not of this world. And he says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. You know, if God wanted to, he could save us and just take us to heaven. Why not? Life would be a lot easier, right? We wouldn't have trials or troubles. We just go and spend eternity in heaven. But he doesn't do that. That's Jesus said, don't take them out. They're not the world, even as I'm not the world. Sanctify them by their truth. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. As you set me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. God wants us to be set apart from the world. It doesn't mean that we don't interact with the world. We're exiles, so build houses, plant gardens, live, be a witness. Know that this is not your home. Your home's there. Embrace your alienship. It's okay. It's good. It's what it means to be a Christian. Number two, ask God for patient, hopeful endurance. If you look in the book of Revelation, okay, this calls for patient endurance. You'll see that phrase repeated a couple times. As we wait for Christ to return, we're called to have patient, hopeful endurance. God, help us. Help us to patiently, hopefully, with joy, remain under and be a witness until our time on this earth is done. Ask God for that help. That's how we live. So then, how shall we live? As aliens who are waiting patiently and hopefully. And number three, keep your mind, heart, life focused on our inheritance. Because you see, in those first nine-ish verses of First Peter, we know that we're aliens, so we can embrace that. It's okay. It's good. This isn't our home. Praise the Lord. Like, I'd much rather have heaven, right? Much rather have the eternal perfect kingdom. We wait patiently. We remember the gospel. And we know that our inheritance is coming. 
Those things give us a foundation for us to live out our faith, to live out our hope in a world that is not our own. So those are some of the so what's. Finally, I want to give you some homework, okay? This isn't something you have to do all this week, okay? But here are some things that you can read over the course of the summer that will help as we unpack this, okay? Uh, read through First Peter. Read through it a couple times, okay? Because you'll see how he is... How then shall we live when it comes to marriage, when it comes to this institution, when it comes to life over here, when it comes to persecution, when it comes to suffering, when it comes to the church? How shall we live in the midst of it, okay? We're not going to be able to cover every little thing. So get in God's word yourself, okay? You can look in Jeremiah. Those are some of the passages that are talking to the exiles. It gives us a little bit of what it means to be an exile. One of the most famous exiles we know in the Bible is Daniel. He lived as an exile in Babylon for a really long time. He didn't divorce himself from the culture and separating entirely. He had to learn the Babylonian Babylonian language. He had to learn uh, their culture, their history. He was like second in command in the kingdom. But that was not his home. So those are great passages to be able to read, to look at what does it mean to be an alien. You could also read through some of the accounts of the patriarchs because they were an alien in their place. Because you see, this isn't our home, and that's okay. It's actually good, because I'd much rather have the home that's coming. So we can embrace our alienship. We can ask God for the patient, hopeful, joyful endurance so we can remain to the end, so that we can be a beacon of light as individuals, as families, as this church. And we can say, God, help me to keep my heart, mind, and life focused on you and on your inheritance that's coming. Because that's what will give us the strength to remain. So as our praise band comes on up and to close out our, our service, will you join me in prayer? Lord, I, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that what we experience and what we go through, it's not something new. It doesn't take you by surprise. Christians all throughout history have gone through hard things and hostilities and persecution. Our brothers and sisters around the world are, are being physically and violently persecuted for their faith. Strengthen them, God. Give them patient endurance. Help them to realize and remember the inheritance that they have. God, help us to be able to embrace our alienship. God, will you show us the ways that we are uh, living like the world, the things that hold us back, and just right now, ask God, God, what is something this week I can begin to, by your spirit, to cut out of my life? What is that? That weight that holds you down in this race? Lord, we want to be your people. Beacon of light. God, I, I thank you for your love and your grace. In the midst of, as we ponder, what are the things that hold us back? We turn our eyes to you and we know that you have washed away our sin. And so in the midst of our brokenness, we run to you. So Lord, as we sing this song, let it be the prayer of our hearts. We run to you. We rest in you. And we want to be sent out by you. In your name we pray.